Hello again, everybody. It's uh, really good to be with you again uh, this Sunday morning. And I uh, really want to welcome you uh, as we get into uh, God's Word this morning. This is the last message uh, from 1 Peter, and we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5. And you will remember that we've been looking at the way that Peter has been instructing believers how to respond to the persecution that they were facing. And in his closing words, he reminds us that we must always be alert to the fact that we are actually in a spiritual battle at the moment. You know, our spiritual battle is not just because there's a Satanist church in town, as some of you may have read on the news recently. It's not because uh, people are involved in the occult. Our, our spiritual battle is because, uh, as Peter reminds these believers, we wrestle uh, not, not against flesh and blood, but we need to be alert to the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking to see whom he may devour. That's, that's where our spiritual battle is. And Peter is, is very clear that the church must not be passive, but be prepared to, to respond to the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion. Let's listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert, he says. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. You, you will notice that there is an urgency in, in what Peter is saying, because we must not treat this matter lightly. The, the, the church must take this matter very seriously. We must be alert to what the, the devil is up to these days. This is one of the great responsibilities we have as believers in the times that we are living in. Woven into the fabric of our society and what is happening in our society is the destructive work of the devil. And it's to our peril as believers and to everybody else's if we don't take that seriously. As believers, we are, we are to know how to identify and how to respond to what the devil is doing. You know, as a, as a young believer, when I first came to faith in Jesus, I, I, I met up with a young man who'd been involved in the occult. And, and when I discovered that, I had no clue of how to respond to that and how to, to respond to what he had been involved in. One of the tasks of the church is that we must be able to identify the activities of the enemy. Be self-controlled and alert, for your enemy, the devil, prowls around. And you know, the, the reason that there's so much information in God's Word about the activities of the enemy is so that we are able to identify what he's up to, especially when there's something like persecution, as was happening to these believers over here. When there's Christian behavior that, that's not in line with the gospel, you know, when, when there's false teaching and doctrines of demons doing the rounds or, or when our faith is under attack. God's word tells us that Satan is trying to keep people from coming to faith in Jesus. That, that's one of the things that he's doing. The, the enemy is trying to keep people from coming to faith in Jesus. In John chapter 10 
and verse 10. Many of you know this verse so well. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That first part of the verse, I think, sometimes is misunderstood. When, when, when John is writing that the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, in its context, he's saying that the enemy is trying to keep people from coming to faith in Jesus. Remember in, uh, when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, the God of this age, that's the phrase that he uses for, for the enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, the church must, be, must respond by preaching God's word, by praying for a move of the Spirit in people's hearts. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, the church's response is to preach and to pray for a great move of the Spirit of God. I was recently uh, listening to the account of, of an evangelist who was in Kimberley in South Africa. And he shares, as he was uh, doing a series of meetings with, with one of the churches in Kimberley, and after one of the evening meetings, he said to the pastor, where are all the young people? I see that these are, these are, are, are married people, older people. Where are all the young people? He said, well, if you really want to know where the young people are, come with me after the meeting. And so uh, after the meeting, we took him down to one of the clubs in the middle of Kimberley. And he took him right inside the club. And there he saw literally hundreds of young people dancing and having a tremendous amount of fun in that, in that local club. And, and as the evangelist was standing there, he felt prompted of the Lord to speak to these young people. And so uh, together, the pastor and this evangelist went to find the owner uh, of the club. And you can imagine uh, how he responded to the request. Can, can I have an opportunity just for five minutes to speak to these young people? He said, you can't possibly ask me to do something like that. And after some discussion, the owner of the club agreed that if they came back the following night, he would give him an opportunity uh, to speak to all of the young people. And so the following night, uh, they came back again. And I think it was, if, if I remember the story correctly, at about 12 o'clock at night, uh, the music was switched off. And uh, this evangelist was given an opportunity to speak to and to address the young people. And as he stood there and addressed the young people, he said, I can't even remember the exact words that I spoke, but after I'd shared for about five or six minutes, he said, if there's anybody here who wants to respond to the Lord and give their lives to Christ, this is an opportunity uh, for you to be able to do that. And he said, almost every young person in that club that night responded to the gospel message. And he said it was quite an incredible moment. He almost couldn't believe what had happened. And so they went, uh, they later on left the club, and, and he said it was, I think it might have been a year or, or even more later, as this evangelist came back uh, to Kimberley, and, and he said to the pastor, by the way, what happened after uh, that meeting? And he said, come with me and I'll show you. And as they drove into the center of Kimberley, what was the club had now become a local church, as people had now, instead of worshiping other gods, were now worshiping the God of the Bible. You know, the Bible also tells us that Satan will attempt to undermine the authority of God's word. And I think this is something we need to be particularly alert to in the days in which we are living. In 2 Corinthians 
chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, Paul is speaking to speaking about the fact that there were false apostles doing the rounds in Corinth. People who had appointed themselves to be a, an apostle. And he says to them, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerades as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, because this is one of my favorite subjects, is where there's been revival, spiritual revivals, and a move of the Spirit. But, you know, wherever there's been a great move of the Spirit, it always restores the priority and the authority of God's Word for the church. Remember these words when, when Paul was writing to the Ephesian believers uh, in chapter 6 and verse 17. He says to them, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Yeah, so whenever there's a move of the Spirit, the priority and authority of God's Word is emphasized for the church. You know, the Bible also shows us that Satan wants to get, and I want you to hear me this as you listen to me, he wants to get God's people to sin. God's people to sin. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. In other words, that the way you used to live, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And you know, whenever there's any kind of sin in our lives, we become vulnerable to the enemy again, irrespective of how innocent it might seem. In the Bible, we discover that one of Satan's goals is to get believers to worship him. And you know, this is an important issue, and, and we seldom see it as one of the strategies of the enemy. But you'll remember that when, when Jesus faced the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness, the strategy of Satan is exposed in what he says to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, listen to these words. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world with their splendor. And listen to what he says to Jesus. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. What Satan desired was that Jesus would worship him, and if he would do that, he would give to him all the splendor of the kingdoms of the world. Later on, as Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6, listen to the words that he says, that he speaks. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or God and mammon. 
And you know, I don't want to demonize money as I'm sharing with you today, because that's not what Jesus is talking about. He is saying that there's a, there's a demonic spirit called mammon, and that spirit of mammon will try and seduce us and draw us away from the Lord. That's why Jesus said it's so difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he said it's more difficult for him to do so than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which we all know is pretty impossible. And so one of the, the clear instructions given to the church, stay alert to what the devil is up to. In, in this, this letter, Peter makes an urgent appeal to believers to take the devil seriously. You might say, well, if we do take the devil seriously, I wonder how seriously we do take him. You see, Peter's one concern in, in all that was happening around them is that they, they underestimate how serious the devil is about destroying people's faith. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, the devil is not just trying to harass us and give us a hard time. He's trying to totally destroy us by attacking our faith. The word, the word devour that Peter is using over here means the total destruction. It's, I guess, one of the, the pictures that in the Old Testament we have of that. You remember when, when Jonah was swallowed by the big fish. That's the picture that, that we have over here. Somebody being swallowed and consumed and totally destroyed. And you know, this, this happens in two different ways as Peter uh, speaks to us about this. It happens through persecution and deception. Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, when he, he was speaking to his disciples, said, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And we all know that in the days in which we are living, there are more believers being persecuted than at any other time in history. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And I think sometimes the way that when I listen to people talking, I think many Christians have the idea that the devil is just there to give them a hard time. When his ultimate play is to turn people away from following Jesus. But the other way this is that this happens is through, uh, and I want to use the word persistence, because that's really what Peter is talking about when he says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. It's, he, he's, in the language he uses, he says the devil's persistent. He just never, ever gives up. Satan is relentless and persistent, and he tries to intimidate believers here, particularly through persecution, so that they become easy prey. Now, taking the devil seriously does not mean we, we are to be afraid of him. It, what it means is we must not be passive, but we must actually take a step. He, he has, he, listen to Peter's words again in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 9. Resist him standing 
firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Peter instructs uh, believers to, to respond to what they see and, and understand what the devil is doing. I don't think we can afford to play the wait and, go, and see game or if we ignore it, it will go away. What is important for us today is what we are told to do. And Peter is telling these believers what to do because he also knows from personal experience what doesn't work. There is a spiritual battle and we need spiritual weapons with which to respond. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Although we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And he goes on to say, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And here Paul is, as he's writing to the Corinthian, Corinthians, speaking to them about the way we respond to the spiritual battle that we have. You know these words very well from Ephesians chapter, chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so Peter says there are two things that we are to do as we respond to the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion. The first thing he says that we are to resist the devil. The church, in other words, is to take a stand against the spirit that is behind what is happening around about us. And we do that in a number of ways because the word resist in a sense means to push back and to push against. And the way we do that is by refusing to be drawn into ungodly behavior. You know, this can be quite intense at times because the devil is relentless and sometimes we all know that the temptation is strong and it's powerful. And you remember that Jesus, when he was in those last moments before uh, the Roman soldiers came to take him away, as he was praying, the, the, the battle is intense where he prays, Father, not my will, but your will be done. The Bible even says that he, his sweat became like drops of blood. And there was an intense battle. And I want to say sometimes resisting the devil is intense. But we also resist the devil by beginning to pray for a move of God's Spirit. I love that scripture in Acts chapter 4 where the church began to face, <clears throat> pardon, pardon me, potential opposition and even persecution. And as they begin to pray, the early believers begin to pray. They say, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And listen to this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God 
boldly. And when believers come under pressure like this, they know that the one who is in them is greater than the one who is in the world. We resist the devil by responding in the opposite spirit. That's the third way. Let me recap again. By refusing to be drawn into ungodly behavior, by beginning to pray for a greater move of God's spirit, and then thirdly, by responding in the opposite spirit. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And, and, and I've been deeply challenged by that. One of the ways of combating the work of the enemy is to respond in the opposite spirit to what is happening. And then fourthly, we resist the devil by exercising our authority in Christ. Remember in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, as Jesus commissions his disciples, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we have authority over the enemy because Jesus has authority over the enemy. And you know, because what we're doing may sometimes seem a little insignificant, James reminds us, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The other instruction we are given about our response to the enemy is to stand firm in the faith. You know, Christians are not intimidated by the enemy because they have a spiritual understanding and a spiritual revelation about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Listen to these words from Colossians chapter 2 as I read them to you. For in Christ, all of the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. For the Christian, the crucifixion is much more than just a man dying on a cross. It's where Jesus disarmed the devil. It's where Jesus proved that he had the power over life and death. It's where Jesus died in our place and rose from the dead so that we could be free from the dominion or the control of darkness. And so believers understand. They have a spiritual understanding of what took place at the cross. Perhaps one of the most helpful courses I've done 
has been the living prequels, which is, has given me some of the tools I need to resist the devil and to stand firm in the faith. Those who've done this course will, will know how it's helped them to identify what the devil has tried to use to undermine their faith and from walking in the freedom that is provided through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It ensures that what Peter is saying becomes part of our lifestyle as believers, not just a few blessed thoughts. Now, there's some practical things that we can do that will enable us to be self-controlled and alert to the devil and to resist him by standing firm in the faith. And I want to leave you with six practical tools that will enable you to stand firm as they've enabled me to stand firm in my faith and to resist the devil. And the first one is this. Always ask yourself this question. What's really going on here? Because we know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, as the Bible tells us. What's really going on over here? You see, we want to be, we want to be discerning in what's going on around about us. We don't want to, we want, don't want to be blind to what's going on because we know that we're involved in a spiritual battle. Secondly, regularly get into God's Word because it has the unique ability to expose and uncover what the enemy's up to. You see, one of the, the, the things I found most helpful is I've got into the Scripture and I've become aware of the, the teaching of God's Word. It's helped me to be so much more alert to what the enemy's up to. Number three, identify the lies and deception that you may have embraced because the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. No, when, I, when I'm, I'm wrestling with something, I go back to the Word to discover where there are lies that I've inadvertently embraced, which have led to unhealthy behavior. And you know, the moment the Word of God exposed the, exposes the lies that I've embraced, I'm able to, to repent of that and, and to rectify it. Number four, repent of any lies that you have believed and be willing to put right any ungodly behavior that has resulted from that. You know, I've, I've realized that many people are willing to confess what they've done wrong. But not everyone is willing to put things right. And you know, the word repent conveys the idea of recognizing what you've done wrong, but also putting it right once you know what is wrong. Number five, take a stand against the enemy by exercising spiritual authority over him. You know, you remember that time when, when Peter came up to Jesus after Jesus had been teaching his disciples about the fact that he was to be crucified, and, and Peter, uh, with all manner of well-being, says to Jesus, this will never happen to you. Do you remember Jesus' response? Get behind me, Satan. He was taking a stand against the enemy because he knew that he had the authority to do so. And sometimes you and I, <coughs> pardon me, as believers, we need to take a stand by saying, get behind me, Satan. And then lastly, in number six, Begin to embrace the truth 
and any behavior that flows out of that. It's no good just knowing the truth and knowing what we should do. It's also important to put it into practice. The way that we resist the devil is by obeying God's word, is taking a stand, is putting into practice the things that are said over there. I share these things with you so that they can become the rhythm of your life. And I know for me over years as I've continued to practice these steps that I've been talking about here today, they've become part of the rhythm of my life as I resist the devil and stand firm in the faith. And so, as we close off, may I pray for you, may I pray for us as believers in these days, because Peter reminds us to be self-controlled and alert. For our enemy, the devil, prowls around as a, like a roaring lion, not just to give us a hard time, but to try and destroy our faith and destroy our lives in so doing. Let's pray together for a moment. Father, I want to praise you today for the victory that Jesus had at the cross. I want to thank you that he publicly disarmed principalities and powers through his death upon the cross. I want to praise you today that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. I want to thank you that all authority has been given to Jesus and that as he is seated in heavenly places, so we are seated with him in heavenly places. And Father, I pray for us as a church in the days in which we are living that you will give to us discernment. That, Lord, we would be able to see and know where the enemy is at work and identify some of these schemes and plans that he's about. And, Father, as your church, you would strengthen us and equip us to be able to take a stand against the devil's schemes. For we know, Lord, that we are involved in this incredible battle. But we also know, Lord, how it's all going to end. And so, Father, strengthen our faith. Equip us in the days in which we are living to take a stand, to resist the enemy so that he will flee. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to share two things in closing off, or maybe three things in closing off. One is that uh, it, after you've listened to this message between 10 and, and, and half past 10, there's going to be an opportunity. If you would like prayer, and I want to encourage you to make use of this opportunity, I will be available. We have a Zoom room, as it's now called, that will be available. And you can come for some prayer and for some ministry. And you may just want prayer. You may want some prayer for healing. There'll be a few of us available over there. Or there may be prayer you want because uh, what I've been sharing with you that today has really touched on something in your life. And you, you may want some prayer. And you may want to speak to somebody about that. And there's an opportunity for you uh, to be able to do that. Also, there, there is going to be um, a communion led by Shelley, uh, Shelley Smuts, Pastor Shelley, is going to lead us in communion, and you are invited to, to participate uh, in that communion service as well. We love to have communion at Connect Church on the last Sunday of the month. We want to continue to do that because I believe communion is such an important part of reminding us of who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. And then thirdly, there may be some of you that have been saying, well, why has the church been so silent with all everything that's been going on around about us? We've seen so much polarizing taking place 
We've seen uh, uh, so much gender-based violence that's coming out. We've seen schools and different organizations coming out against racism. Well, let me say this to you. As elders, we've been spending quite a bit of time working on this, and we want to uh, put together something that's really going to be helpful and help us in this journey uh, as a church and as God's people as we navigate the days in which we are living in. So I uh, want to share with you, there's going to be, you're going to hear from us pretty soon what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be responding as a church in a way that will equip us for the times in which we live. So may the Lord bless you richly. God strengthen you. May I ask you to be self-controlled and alert. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Because as James says, resist him and he will flee from you. Thank you for being with us.